In this episode, I talk about an article in the New York Post dealing with COVID. I address what it's like to be an entertainer during these times. And I just talk about some other things with some references about media and journalism. So let's jump right into it. Hey, what's going on, guys? Aaron, the speaker here, and welcome back to an episode brought to you by me. I'm in the comfort of my house. Uh, I have my whole setup going. Uh, I'm using all of this on Streamlabs OBS, which I really, really enjoy. So if you find uh, any kind of streaming content you're trying to do, Streamlabs OBS, great A in my book. Um, today, I wanted to talk about an article that I wrote inside uh, on my website. And over the last couple of weeks, I've really been trying to figure out what is it like for me as an entertainer moving forward with COVID-19, with not being able to perform in front of crowds. And a lot of it has come down to multimedia journalism, multimedia comedy. I've been trying to work on being funny, but I just find myself so upset, so angry, and so worried lately. Uh, a lot of my jokes are about that. A lot of my content that I'm writing about is about that. And so today I'm just trying to make a video to express myself and also to kind of inform uh, an, a general audience that might listen to me on some issues that I care about that maybe you could actually care about too. So the article that I'm talking about is the COVID recession and the most unequal in modern U.S. history. And the Washington Post did a really good job with this. And the reasons why I say that is when you're looking into media, when you're trying to figure out what it is you should be searching or things are important, what you should really be looking for is references and how they got their information. I think the number one problem with what's going on right now in our society is that people have never really been trained on how to absorb the media. It's a very powerful tool that if you don't know how to use it, you can use it improperly or it can use you. And that's what's really happening a lot in our society. So in this article, the great thing that they did was they really did a good job of telling you how they got their samples, right? They talk about the surveys they got it from. They talk about the uh, what, what they did for the surveys, how it was conducted. And this is what you want to see from a journalistic perspective or as a consumer for a newspaper because you really want to find out how it is they're getting this information. Because when they go fake news, fake news, fake news, it's because nobody's really taking the time to look up any of the information that they're seeing. They also do a really good job of providing the journalists inside the article. So you can click on each one of these journalists' names, and it will give you their complete bio and information, a great sign for information. Because when it comes to journalism, you really want to know who's writing your article, right? The last thing you want is somebody who's a blogger on fashion writing an article piece on economics because they don't have enough employees. And they're like, Janet, you're on it. She's like, but I usually talk about food and cakes. They're like, just Google some stuff and you'll figure it out, Karen. Listen, just do it. Just, just get the article by six. You don't want that when it comes to big news stories or articles. You really want in-depth journalistic uh, writing done by people who really focus in on these issues. So as you can see, Heather Long, economist, Andrew Von Dam, which is a hilarious name, Von Dam. He, he does data for economics. You have uh, Miss Fowers, right? She does graphic reporting. When you have a lot of graphics, you'll see you have Leslie Shapiro. Not, not Shapiro like me, but Leslie Shapiro, uh, a graphics reporter again. And so what you see is this is not just an article written by one person. This is a team effort, and that's super, super important when it comes to an article you want to trust. So 
this is the graphics and this article does a great job and I suggest everyone go to check out this article. The link is in my website at AaronTheSpeaker.com. Inside the article, you'll find a link to this article. If not, you can Google the title. But they did a really good job of showing you the graphics and what it shows here is that disproportionately white uh, Americans are getting jobs back faster than African Americans, something that most of us in this day and age, uh, if you are uh, inside a more modern uh, liberal perspective or a liberal bubble, um, you have a lot of talk about race equality, gender equality, identity politics. So you're more accustomed to hearing this language. If you're in the Trump bubble, then this you, you're probably not even on this channel. So don't worry about it. Hispanic Americans way down doing really bad with, with coming back and getting uh, their employment back. And being from Miami, uh, this is really impactful to my community. And you see that people 20 to 24 are the ones hit hardest during this because those are the part-time working people. Those are the people that are working part-time jobs and all those got cut real quick. Um, I guess the biggest part about this article is this little image or graphic right here that I found super interesting is that 1990 recession, uh, the very, very, very poor, poor and the very, very rich hurt kind of equally. Same in 2001, same in 2008, but this one with the coronavirus, what you're seeing is a real big gap between technology and those who don't have technology. And you're seeing this gap widen. So I would say the lowest earning population are the people that are uh, sec non-native speakers uh, who are not from this country, people who don't have a college diploma, whose job requires them to use their physical body and not their not the, their, their computer interfaces. Those with college degrees use computers, so their jobs are more able to be kept and maintained during a time where you can't gather or be around people. And that really brings us back to the entertainment industry. The entertainment industry, a lot of the entertainment industry is the lowest earning people. And what I mean by that, it's, you know, you have people like this article, they do a really good job of highlighting some key stories and some key people, a lot of them from Louisiana, um, people who work their way up um, from being servers and bartenders to managers of restaurants are now finding themselves going from a $70,000, $80,000 salary to zero, which is uh, terrifying. Um, living off, of, it says 270, 247 a week on unemployment. Not possible to live that way. It, it's really not. You have another one talking about how her casino closed and didn't even let her know. And being from Miami, a lot of the bars, the restaurants, the nightclubs, they just closed in March. They really didn't give anybody notice. They just kind of shut down, and people weren't even aware if they were going to get a paycheck or not. I did a whole podcast series called The State of Entertainment Miami where I interviewed different people who worked in the industry, and that was a big question. How do you get paid? A lot of these companies just shut down and were unheard of. And all the employees that were waiting for past due paychecks, some of them never got them. And that really hurt the process of being able to pay their bills, which they see. And, you know, working for a 950 salary is still, during 2020, a rough way to live. Um, single parents are hit real hard. This story is terrible about Jessica Duke that they highlight in here. Uh, she's living off of $86 a week. She's having her lights being cut off by the, by the company that she lives for because she can't pay her light bill. And she had uh, her brother come live with her. Where is that? Her brother comes live with her, and her brother passes away uh, with COVID at 30 years old. Terrible. Uh, we have a construction worker, right, going back to work, making half of what he had before. And DJs and entertainers are talking about this right now. Don't go back for less than what you're getting. But some people really have no choice. They, they're being, you know, leveraged or long-armed to go back to work for half the wage that they were making before because 
the threat of not having the contract is greater. So they're because they're struggling, because they're suffering, people are leveraging that and taking advantage. So the really rich are staying really rich, and the really poor are getting poorer. Makes me real sad. Um, and so you see, again, college-educated people are doing much better with this. And I'll just pour through this article, and that's Jessica's brother uh, who passed away from COVID this year, even though he was 30 years old. Um, they didn't talk about if he had underlying conditions or not, but they basically said that they found him uh, dead in the house after having a, a rough cough for a few weeks. Whew. Terrible. And, and this brings us all back to the point of, you know, right here, hospitality jobs were a lifeline during the second recession. And now during this recession, during this crisis, hospitality is being the most affected out of any industry. And so this article, The COVID uh, Recession in the Most Unequal Modern History, is definitely a great article to check out because it has so much information on what's going on right now and giving you highlighted perspective from people who are actually dealing with the crisis. Uh, and it's a great overall read. It has pictures for those who want pictures. It's got pictures and it's got a lot of good information and stories directly from people. Um, but let's continue talking about it. So what I think is the most interesting part of this whole story is when I look at the landscape of what's going on in our economy, I am bound to live in the bubble that I live in. And so I see a lot of dancers, a lot of DJs who are struggling to go back to work. And it is hard because you can't really gather in groups. And so my, my conundrum with this whole process is I don't understand why DJs and dancers aren't working more together. Now, I get it. We're isolated. We haven't been taught this in school. They really don't talk about unionization. And when they do talk about it, they vilify it, talking about socialism and that it's terrible to work together. But honestly, working together is what we should be doing right now. Every DJ, every dancer, every MC, every singer, we have people by the ball, so to say, because they're dying for entertainment, they're dying for information, and we can really control a narrative to get us the proper relief packages in the government that we deserve. Now, I know this is a problem because most people don't understand what the government does, and because of the politics, and because things are polarized, and because the fact they're only being fed their particular information bubble on social media or on YouTube, a lot of people are detached and set, uh, segmented away from each other, which doesn't help when it comes to working together because when it comes to working together for these big tech companies, they work together because they have a lot more at stake. A lot more people are making money off them. Stocks are going up, but businesses are closing. Something is off, right? And so what we see is that entertainers, DJs, and dancers are fighting to go back to work, but what they're fighting to go back for is a broken, damaged system that just can't pay them what they're looking for because you can't have crowds gather. So I wrote this article talking about being a go-getter, but I'm losing my go-getterness. And I'm losing my go-getterness because what is there to go get? <laughs> what what I used to be a go-getter, an A-type personality. I used to go out, I used to seek jobs. What is there to go out and get right now? And I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. I'm not trying to bring anything down. What I'm saying is you can't organize large events because there is a natural disaster happening, which is out of our control, which is the pandemic. Now, how we manage that natural disaster 
is on us. But the natural disaster itself is not something that we could have stopped. It's kind of like a hurricane or an earthquake or a tornado. Yes, there is some predictability to it, but it is something that we do not have control of. It's a natural disaster. This pandemic is a natural disaster. Whether it was caused by certain effects, sure. Whether it wasn't, sure. But it is a natural disaster. But how we handle it is how we move forward. And I say to myself, we're not handling it that well. We're not working together as a people. We're not trying to actually go out and organize and, and work together. What I see is people believing that their lottery ticket out of this mess is to become viral and to become big on social media. So what I see is a generation that is the 20 to 24s, which lost their jobs. They're not fighting for their jobs back because they really don't want those jobs. The job they want is to be able to live their life on their phone and make money from their phone. They've been sold this thing about entrepreneurship. They've been sold to be a hustler. And so you have people who are gambling on the lotto ticket that they're going to become popular on social media. And that's going to be their ticket out of the class system they're in. That's going to be their way to the top to have status, power, influence. And so you see too many people gambling on these technologies, tools like Instagram, TikTok, dancing on TikTok, trying to take it as a full-time gig, even though it's not paying them. And you have these people who believe that that's their way out of the class system, of the social system, where instead, instead of going, hold on, I can actually use this technology to really put some pressure on my local governor, on my local state representative, on my local congressperson. I can really put some real big pressure on them because I have access to this social media, these tools to talk to people, to communicate with people. But instead, talking about politics is hurtful to the brand unless it's super, super mainstream like BML um, or, uh, you know, uh, or climate change. Even those, I would say, are controversial still, which is ridiculous. And so you have people who are being self-imprisoned. And I think that's what my, a lot of my article was about. It was about talking about this self-imprisonment, that there's no gate locked. There's no guard stopping us. The only thing that we, the only reason why we stay in this prison of not going out and putting pressure on our Congress people, on our senators, on our, on our representatives, is just us. We imprison ourselves in the belief that if we step out of the jail, then we no longer are able to play the game to become the top of the charts in terms of virality, in terms of popularity, in terms of influence. We'll lose brands, we'll lose marketing dollars, even though we're not getting anything, even though most people aren't making a cent from their social media. This is something that they believe in their hearts. And so the article really addressed a lot about that issue. And it really tried to dive down from my perspective as an academic uh, when I was a professor and, and my, my struggles with um, being an entertainer because they both serve different purposes. The purpose of the academic is to do the better good of society. That's what it's supposed to be, at least in my opinion, is to do the better good of society. And the point of the entertainer is to sell shit, to sell tickets, concerts, merchandise, shows, uh, movies, audio tapes, uh, albums. The goal of the entertainer is to take money from people so they can keep entertaining them. No one does entertainment pro bono. 
No one says to themselves, I I'm going to do this entertainment thing. I'm going to sell out Madison Square Garden. Don't give me a dime. It's for the people. It's for the good of the people. I, I want to be dirt poor. No. The part of academics is for the better good of society. We see this because teachers get paid dog shit, right? And then the part of an, ac uh, an entertainer is to sell. To sell, 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 sell. They'll sell everything. They'll sell, they'll sell what you wear. They'll sell what you do. They sell what you like. They'll sell everything. Your job as an entertainer is to sell. And so I wrote a quote in this article, and I put it in bold, saying, I feel like I'm in between good and evil. Not saying that being an entertainer is evil, but I'm saying that during the times where people need the money and they need their resources, entertainment's going to suffer because people don't have luxury dollars to give to entertainers. And if they do have luxury dollars, they're only giving it to the top entertainers. The bottom of the barrel entertainers are going to be entertaining for $0 or very little money. And so you have a problem, right? Because all the people who are in the entertainment industry, they want to believe that they're going to be able to sell their talent, their dancing, their singing, their DJing, their magician stuff, their writing, whatever it is. If you're an entertainer, you're entertainment. You're trying to sell who the hell you are and what the hell you do to somebody. But the problem is we don't have anything to buy. They got no money. They got no jobs because everyone wants to be an entertainer. So because everyone wants to believe that they got the thing to become viral because they believe in the lotto ticket, no one's investing in the education for the good of society, even though it doesn't make any money. And education doesn't mean educational systems. Education could be an internal education, a desire to educate oneself um, on issues that are maybe not about entertaining, but issues about their local water, their local wildlife, uh, their local cultures, their local businesses, their local churches, synagogues, whatever it is, educating themselves on things that don't return money for education's sake to be informed, to know everyone's banking on this entertainer thing. This is why you see moms doing the TikTok, you know, bah, 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 bah. and you see all the little kids doing TikTok. And you see all the college kids doing all these dances and want to be doing skits and comedy skits and podcasts because everyone's gambling on this idea that they are going to be the entertainer that wins the lotto ticket to go to Charlie's Willy Wonka factory. But the problem is not everyone is going to win the lottery. In fact, a very, 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 very small portion. So the rest of the population will suffer with this idea that they're not suffering that they're just struggling until their moment comes. That's the big, that's the big okie doke. That's the big crossover. That's the big, you know, that's the big fake is that you believe you're going to win the lotto ticket. So you keep struggling and people go, you should quit. You should quit. You should quit. You should quit. And they go, haven't you seen the poster with the guy digging for the diamond and the moment the other guy quits, the other one keeps going and he bangs and he gets the diamond. All I got to do is keep struggling until I make it. But see, that's a farce. That's a lie. Because, yes, that's somewhat true that you have to have tenacity. You have to have persistence. It's also another thing to say someone can be giving you tenacity and permis uh, 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 persistence to dig down the wrong path, right? Because they don't want you to have tenacity and persistence for the other thing. So that's what they're not educating you on. They're educating us on the idea of struggling with the hope that one day you will be chosen the other thing is say, whoa, whoa, what are they asking me to be so persistent on? And why is it important to me? Why is it important to my value? That's the, that's the education part. And that part's going to be different for everybody, for every different culture, for every different person. But I really wanted to talk about that article and break it down 
because I'm really struggling with this idea of academia, of educating people and being upset with the world and then entertaining and selling things like myself, my services to people when the money isn't really there because you see people are struggling, but people are really gambling more on entertainment than they are gambling on education. I know, I know. Interesting. Well, I hope you guys like this video. You know, this podcast was definitely um, an interesting episode because I'm really trying to figure out how to give something that I feel authentic about without being just, you know, angry. Uh, if I look sweaty on cameras because my AC broke in my apartment and I'm hot right now and I'm just like sweating, the, my back is moist in the chair. It's like not wet, wet, but it's moist. Uh, it's a little uncomfortable, and the camera's definitely picking up this glisten and shine on my forehead if you're watching this on YouTube. But I really appreciate you guys hanging in there. I'm trying to do some stuff where um, it is entertainment, but it's also, in a sense, education. So I guess this is kind of my hope, you know, that these podcasts are both kind of intellectually stimulating and then also entertaining at the same time. I'm going to work on keep making them funnier. Uh, any feedback you could give is great. Leave a comment below. Uh, subscribe to the channel. I know they say put on your notifications, but that's just a way to control uh, Pavlovian lead to get you bing, bing, bing to make you, you know, bounce. But if you want to put on the notifications, I'll be trying to do new videos every week. Um, and I think the movement moving forward is audio, visual, and uh, um, written. So you can find things on my website that are written at AaronTheSpeaker.com, my podcast on Aaron the Speaker on Apple iTunes and Google Play, or my YouTube channel, Aaron the Speaker, where you have visual content. I really appreciate you guys checking out this channel. I appreciate you guys being a part of this. And I'm really hot. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish off this beer. Okay? Uh, let's play some sexy jazz to get out of here. I'll see you guys later.